Well, today we're going to continue through the Sermon on the Mount, and there's two groups of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and following, and then Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at this issue of, well, self-righteous attitude. fact is, it's one of the things that Jesus spoke the most about. He spoke in, in such a way, He spoke about this sin severely. He spoke about this sin sometimes, well, a lot of times, very, very directly. It was one of the things that Jesus exposed and he spoke about continuously in his ministry and especially in the Sermon on the Mount. He deals with this issue started in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. I just want to read you a few passages and if you have your Bibles you can mark uh, Romans chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 and we're going to walk through some of Paul's teachings to help us understand and bring light to, to what he was saying here. And here's what the scripture says. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount and he says... Judge not. Now listen, we need to understand what that word judge means that Jesus is talking about because sometimes it's wrongly applied. In other words, you could, as a parent, you can make a statement about your children's friends or where they go and they can say, well, wait a minute, you're being judgmental and the scripture says don't judge. Now listen, Jesus wasn't talking about being discerning. Jesus was not talking about making wise decisions and correct decisions. Jesus was using this word judge, which means to condemn or bring verdict to or, or harm. And so he says, judge not. And remember, there's a comma. That, and he goes on and he says, judge not that you may be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be, well, it'll be measured to you. It was, it was just a warning. It was a command and a warning. And Jesus said, just be careful because when you judge, the same measure you use on other people, the same measure will be used against you. And be very careful when you do this. He said, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Man, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample underfoot and they attack you. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount begins talking to the group of people that are gathered around him that day, and he began talking about the issue, the sin of judging others. And it affects everybody, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're educated, whether you're uneducated, uh, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, this sin of judging, being self-righteous, affects every group of people. And what Jesus was saying when he went through this, he says, no one has, no one has the right to judge. The fact is, he goes on later, and we're going to look at what Paul said, only God has the right to judge others. And so, Romans chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to walk through this as we try to understand in a little bit deeper fashion, because Paul really expands on what Jesus was talking about this, on this subject. Verse 1, it says, that he says, Paul says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment. This word again, judgment, that Paul uses, it doesn't mean to be discerning. It doesn't mean to analyze. It doesn't mean to evaluate. It, boy, it means to condemn. It means to pass verdict on. Man, it's not talking about being discerning. It's talking about this issue of judging to the extent that you condemn a person. You pass sentence, if you will, 
on a person. When we walk through Romans, when we walk through these 11 scriptures that we're going to look at, we can, we can pull out some characteristics of a self-righteous person, a person who judge. The first characteristic is this, that they always have. Everyone else is guilty, but I'm innocent. I mean, a self-righteous, judgmental person will come to the point and they'll say, you know what? I'm the measure here. I'm the benchmark. I'm the bar. Everyone else, everyone else is guilty, but not me. Watch what he says, verse 1, as he goes on. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on somebody else. For whatever point you judge in others, boy, you're condemning yourself. For you who pass judgment, you're doing the same thing. Isn't that typical of human nature? Especially when someone's self-righteous. Especially when someone is judging someone else. They kind of excuse away their sin. They kind of excuse away their stuff. I mean, they're kind of unrealistic about their life. They're kind of unrealistic about their behavior. See, the common word for this hypocrisy means to be inconsistent. Isn't that how judgmental people are? Isn't that how self-righteous? They're inconsistent in their judgment. What's okay for them is not okay for someone else. What's okay for their life they just kind of excuse it away. I mean, it's kind of, have you ever tried to please a judgmental person? I mean, it's almost like trying to hit a moving target because it's just inconsistent standards. And so what happens when you're self-righteous, what happens when you get into to being judgmental? A lot of times we excuse away or we, we, we label our sin. We don't gossip. We're just sharing a concern. Man, I, I don't gossip. I'm just giving you a prayer request with all the details about that individual so you know how to specifically pray for them. God knows all. I think just say pray for such and such and we'll just call it good. I mean, I think he knows. I'm not lazy. I'm mellow. I'm not critical. I'm just realistic. I mean, if we're not careful, see, it's so inconsistent that if we're not careful, what Paul is talking about is, and what Jesus talks about, the problem is it blinds you to your life when you become self-righteous, when you focus on other people. The second thing is this, is it, you know what, we conveniently forget our sin. I mean, self-righteous people conveniently forget they have any sin or any problems in their life. Man, if you think your conscience is clear, you probably have a horrible memory. Because we all got stuff, right? We got all stuff that, that we're dealing with. But self-righteous, judgmental people come to the point to where they think, you know what, if everyone else was like me, if, if, if everyone else lived like me, if everyone else behaved like me, then they would be right. And Jesus and Paul was saying this is so dangerous because the second characteristics of a judgmental person is this. He measures other people by the wrong standard. He measures people by their standard, who they are. Watch this, verse 2. We know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. I mean, 
In other words, self-righteous, judgmental people compare everyone else to themselves. It's an arbitrary standard. It's saying, you know what? I am really better than everyone else. I mean, I'm, I'm the mark. I'm the and so, and he contrasts the way that God judges. Because he says, God judges based upon truth. God judges because he knows all things. Our judgment is limited. Because all of us, all of us have blind spots. All of us have weaknesses. You know what? That's why we need people around us that can speak truth into our life. Whether you want to call them an accountability partner, whether you want to call them a prayer partner, whether you want to call them a close friend, it doesn't matter. But all of us have weaknesses. All of us have blind spots. All of us need. That's why life journaling is so important. we got so many of you that are walking through Scripture and taking Scripture and let it speak to you. And, and, uh, because we have blind spots, someone needs to be able to speak truth into our life. Because many times we don't see where we're at fault. And we always see where everyone else is at fault. That's the dangers of being self-righteous. That's the danger of being prideful is that you can come to the point to where you no longer can see where you're at fault. You, know, you no longer can say, I'm sorry. You no longer can say, I was wrong. I mean, you become the standard. You become the, the measure. Is it ironic? But a lot of times we tend to judge in other people what we dislike in ourselves. I learned that in parenting when my girls started getting older and they started reflecting some of my characteristics and my personality that I wanted to change or that I didn't like in myself. And so many times we can be what we don't like or what, what we don't like in ourselves when we see it in someone else. We can judge it harshly. Third characteristic is this, self-righteous person. Well, he thinks that by judging others puts him in a better position. I mean, self-righteous person, they think that, you know what, if I'm always talking about someone else, if I'm always pointing out their faults, if I'm always talking about their sin, then it puts me in a better position with God. It makes me look better. Look at this, verse 3. So when you, a mere man, so Paul is reminding them, you're not God. That, that job's like taken. He said, you're a mere man. You're flesh. You don't see that you don't know all things. You don't know the heart. You, you, you just don't know. When you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, oh man, and yet you do the same thing, do you not think that you will escape God's judgment? And Paul said, it blinds you to your sin. You're judging in people what you're doing yourself, and you don't even realize it. I mean, you're doing the same. It makes you blind to your life. It makes you blind to your sin. I mean, and, and you think that by passing judgment on other people and talking about them, it places you in a better position. In other words, that God grades on a curve. And if you can say, you know what, I'm better than such and such. I'm, I'm, at least I'm doing better than such and such. And Paul's saying, you know what, that doesn't even put... Do you understand the faulty logic here? Let's say we both had loans. I had a loan to a bank of $10 million that I couldn't pay. You had a loan of $20 million that you couldn't pay. That's like me saying, your loan's bigger than mine. 
Your debt's bigger. Do you think because I say that, the bank says, hey, you don't owe us the $10 million. We didn't realize that. <laughs> Paul said, you know what? Some of you think it puts you in a better position by pointing out other people's sin by saying their sin is worse than mine. What they do wrong is way worse than mine. Because, see, this judgmentalness, this, this, this self-righteous attitude, you come to the point to believe because you're blinded to your junk and your stuff and your faults and your weaknesses, and you begin seeing everybody else's sin worse than yours. Paul says, so dangerous. Here's another characteristic of a self-righteous person. He misinterprets God's blessing on his life. And you can come to the point with this self-righteous attitude to where you believe you deserve it. You don't see blessings as blessings from God. You're a self-made man. You're a self-made woman. It's how you live life. I mean, that's the danger of it. Verse 4, Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness? Talking about God. Tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. A self-righteous attitude shows contempt for God. I mean, what he's really saying is, is you treat the things that God does for you lightly. You treat his blessings lightly. You treat his patience lightly. You all, almost think or you come to the point you think, you know what, I deserve it because of the life that I'm living. And so self-righteous people will say, everything is going great in my life, so therefore God must be blessing me. Because everything's going great, but Scripture says this, he even blesses life when there's sin in the life. See, a self-righteous person will show contempt for the blessings of God. They'll misinterpret the blessings of God and say, you know what? It's because of the life I'm living. It's, it's because I'm so dedicated. Or, and the Bible teaches His grace, His love, and His kindness is given to people so they'll repent, so they'll change. I mean, for me, this last week, I had to sit down and think, wonder how many times in my life God could have said, I'm going to can you. That's it. No more. And I don't know about you, but it was His grace, His love, and His patience for me that brought me to repentance and brought me to him. I mean, Paul is trying to get them to understand the reason God's blessing you is because his love for you, because of his grace for you, because of his patience for you, because of his kindness for you. And the purpose for God to bless us the purpose for God to have patience is to bring us to repentance. I mean, that's a foundational principle of this church. That's a core value in my life. That's just who I am. I mean, I mean, to where you... Listen, you don't have to point out every sin in everybody's life. They know it's there. You don't get very far by preaching the messages that you're going to go to hell and turn or burn and I smell bacon burning. 
But I tell you what, you show people how much God loves them and how much He cares for them and how patient He has been even in the midst of their sin. That draws people. And that draws people to Him to where they come to the point to where they're able to say, I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life. You know, that's what worship is all about. That is what is so moving to me in all three of our services and then last weekend, being able to hear you sing and worship, it, it brought me encouragement to be able to come to him and say, I'm just thankful for what you've done in my life and for the blessings and for what you're doing in my life. When, when you look at this issue of God's love and His kindness and His patience that brings people back to repentance, in Life Journal in this last week, we're, we're reading through John, if you're reading with us. And I came to the story about the adulterous woman. Remember the woman that was caught in an affair? And they brought her out. She was probably caught in the act. She probably didn't have any clothing on. And they brought her out into the square and they were going to judge her. Her accuser was the man that was one of the, one of the accusers, one of the men in the, in the crowd. Most theologians believe was the man that was with her was in the crowd. Remember that whole deal? And they were going to stone her. And Jesus came up and interrupted the whole deal. Let me ask you this question. Who was God more gracious to? Who did Jesus speak more harshly to? The adulterous woman? Or those that were judging her and condemning her to death? Jesus spoke so harshly to the people with a self-righteous attitude that were condemning her. Remember, Jesus said, Ye who is without sin, cast the first stone. Because He understood that, that you can get blinded to your sin, you can get blinded to your weakness, and He had to bring up to them, Hey, anyone without sin in this, in this area, you, you throw the last stone. Or you throw the first stone. And remember, one by one, everybody walked away. And then Jesus knelt down and said, Woman, where are your accusers? She was afraid to look around. And she looked around and said, No one. And he says, Then neither do I condemn you. Just go and sin no more. The love, the grace, the patience of God brings people to repentance. Not the judging. Not the harshness that goes with it. And when we judge, man, we're playing God. That's the problem with it. See, He's the only one that can effectively judge. And so the question is, is when is it wrong to judge? And Paul gives us some insight. The first thing he says, it's wrong to judge when you practice the same sin. We looked at that, Romans chapter 2, 1 through 2. It's, it's wrong to judge when you practice the same sin. The second thing is this, it's wrong to judge when it blinds you to your own faults. That's the danger Jesus said about judging, that it blinds you. He says again, verse 1 through 3, do not judge. That's a command. I mean, it's a command right from the mouth of Christ. He says, do not judge, or what? Or you will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. The measure you used, it will be measured to you. Listen, if you're critical of others, 
people will be very critical of you. If you are judgmental of others, people will judge you. I mean, that's just what Jesus says. The same measure you use, people will use it. He goes on and he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I mean, this is a hyperbole. This was, this, was, this was an exaggeration of a story to prove a point. He exaggerated the story. The listeners must have been rolling around laughing, trying to picture the telephone pole in one person's eye and the sawdust in another. And that's why Jesus says, Oh man, you with a self-righteous attitude. Don't you know you got like this telephone pole in your eye that blinds you to your faults, that blinds you to your weaknesses, that blinds you to your sin, and you're worried about the speck, you're worried about the sawdust in someone else's eye? Jesus says it's very dangerous. Man, to get it, it's the difference between nitpicking and log pulling. And Jesus is just simply saying, be careful when you judge. Because you may reap what you sow. You may be judging of others and they'll judge you. Third time it's wrong to judge is when you draw conclusions based upon outward appearances. That's just so huge. Jesus in John 7:24 says this. He says, stop judging by mere appearance and make a right Judgment. In other words, when you judge people based upon the color of their skin, uh, based upon the way they dress, based upon tattoos, based upon piercings, based upon hair color, you know, like, and, and it's so inconsistent because we've got our approved hair colors, right? <laughs> people say, well, it's okay if I'm just bringing my hair color back to its natural color. Hello, gray is a color, natural. <laughs> and I'm teasing, don't write me. So we have our approved colors, right? No blue, no green, no you know, chartreuse, any of those other, no stripes or all that other stuff. And Jesus is saying, well, just be careful. This Friday, I was, I was at I-25 in Pueblo Boulevard, and I was, I was entering Pueblo Boulevard. And in came, as far as I could see, were the banditos. One motorcycle, I mean, all the way down. They were coming northbound I-25, Exxon Pueblo Boulevard. There was a police escort, police on the front, police in the back, police all around. And, and I'm, like, I'm like the first one at the yield site. And so they're going by, and, and I'm watching them. And, man, the women scared me, and the men terrified me. <laughs> but I'm watching them, and it's like, it's like the Spirit of God, you know. We, and he just said, you know what, you need to pray for those guys. See, it's so easy to judge. It's so easy to judge about a gang member, a vest, a motorcycle, hair color, piercings. And, and it's just like he impressed upon me. So I followed him out to the campground out here in Beulah Highway. I was supposed to be home. And I'm sitting in the emergency lane on the other side. And I'm watching them. Now the police are watching me. And kind of a weird deal. And so Karen calls me and says, hey, where are you? I says, I'm at the Bandito rally. <laughs> she goes, no, really. I'm like, really? She goes, what are you doing there? I says, well, I know God wants me to pray for him, but here's what I'm praying about. I'm praying about going in. And there's like dead silence. She's what? I go, yeah, I'm praying about pulling up and just saying, hey, my name's Charlie Jones. I'm a pastor in town, and here's my cell phone number. If you guys have a crisis, if you guys have an emergency, you feel free to call me while you're here in town. Karen's like, could you come home and pray about that more? <laughs> 
But you know what? It's so easy. Listen. It is so easy to judge about external appearance. You ever judge someone externally by what they wore, hair color, piercings, tattoos, anything like that? And then you got to know them and you realize, wow, I was all wrong. I was all wrong. Here's another time it's wrong to judge. It's wrong to judge when you condemn someone else before hearing the facts. Man, watch this. Jesus said in John 7, 51, does, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? Jesus was saying, you know what? The judicial system is more fair than the church. The judicial system is more fair than some people because at least the judicial system, regardless of what you feel about it, here's both sides. I mean, the judicial system will hear everybody's side before rendering a verdict. And Jesus said, you know what? It is so dangerous. It is wrong to make judgment before you, you just hear the, hear the facts. And he says, just, man, learn to get the facts first. And even if you're initially, if your initial judgments were correct and you judge them without hearing all the facts, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Proverbs 18, 17 says this, the first to present his case seems right. Till another one comes forward to question him. You ever judge someone without hearing all the facts and felt like you were misled? See, there's your side, their side, and God's side. And Jesus is saying, You're not God. You're a mere man, is what Paul said. See, God can judge rightly because He knows all. The fifth reason that it's wrong to judge is this. You're wrong when you judge a person's spiritual life based upon external observances. You're wrong to judge someone. Look at this. Colossians 2.16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. They had the same struggles in the New Testament church that we have today. Paul wrote about this to the Corinthians. The three D's. Diet, drink, and days. What are you going to drink? Uh, what are you going to eat? Diet. And then what day are you going to worship on? I mean, and Paul was saying, these are disputable matters. Man, they're disputable matters. fact is, he never rendered a judgment. Who was wrong? Who was right? The weak in faith or the strong? He never rendered a judgment. He just said, these are disputable matters. Isn't it interesting how churches tear up, churches split over issues that really do not matter? They let these issues that don't really matter divide and, boy, one's a vegetarian and one eats meat. One is able to drink alcohol without leading them to sin and another one can't. Another one can go to movies and another one can't. Listen, I've done mission work all over the world to learn that people that are in love with Jesus and God followers and committed because of their culture do things a little bit different than we do. I mean, in some parts of the world, it's, it's men, I mean, women can't wear makeup. Other parts of the world, other parts of our st country, it's okay for women to wear makeup, but they can't play cards. It's okay for some to play cards, but they can't go to dances. It's okay for some to go to dances, but they can't smoke. I mean, when I was in the Dominican Republic doing, doing ministry, do you realize in the Dominican Republic, it is a sin to smoke cigarettes? It's okay to smoke cigars. 
I mean, you learn, and, and so Paul is saying, man, don't judge people by being spiritual based upon something external. Listen, I came out of the Bible Belt. You know how we judge the spiritual maturity of people? This may seem crazy to you, but it's just how it was. We judged them by the number of meetings they went to a week. And it was talked about. If you went Sunday morning service, you were a good Christian. If you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, because in Bible Belt we had two services on Sunday. Uh, if you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, you were a great Christian. If you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night visitation, Wednesday night prayer meeting, then you're super spiritual. And people were judged by the number of meetings. If someone was there, every time the doors were open, they were seen as being a spiritual giant. And you know what? That's what caused a lot of problems in the churches there. Because they could get some carnal, hurtful people in those positions just because they were in church every time the doors opened. Paul is saying, make sure God's Spirit is on them. I mean, it's more than just the external. Here's, here's, here's another time when it's, when it's wrong to judge. It's wrong to judge when it causes you to speak evil against or slander another believer. James says this, James says 4.11, Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. In other words, you place yourself over the law. And when you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and one who is able to destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I mean, Scripture says that when we judge other Christians, when we slander them, slander means to ruin or to destroy their reputation. And man, I understand this is a fine line to face. I mean, I understand this. I understand there are times in Scripture when we're called to be discerning, there are times in Scripture when, when, when we're called to make judgments. You see that at the local church in the New Testament. But we're never to have a condemning attitude. Our motivation is always restoration, not condemnation. Our motive is always to restore the relationship, to restore the person to be redemptive. And he's talking about this whole concept of learning to speak positively about people. Another time that it's wrong... It's wrong to question people's motives. Ever had someone do that to you? I think, I think that may be the most hurtful one of all. How do you defend that? How do you prove whether you're right or wrong? Paul said, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore judge nothing. And you've got to look at the context. You've got to look at what Paul was talking about. He goes on and says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes and He will bring light to what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Paul is saying it is wrong. But it's wrong to judge motives. I know why you did that. I know what motivated you to say that. I know what you were thinking. I know what you meant by that. That's why Paul said in verse 3, he says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges. Paul understood this. Paul says, you know what? I don't care if you judge my motives or not. I can't even understand my motives. I mean, my, I understand my, my conscience may be clear. 
That didn't make me innocent. Because it's the Lord who judges. If you, if you go through Paul's ministry, here he was, gave his, ultimately his life for the local church. Planted churches, was beaten, was starved, starved, was robbed, did everything he could to plant a church. Continue, continually, people were questioning his motives. It's ego. It's, he's power hungry. It's greed. Even though he didn't take a dime from the local church, it's greed. It's all about money. It's all about power. It's all about him. I mean, he has these ulterior motives. The most hurtful thing that we can be judged about is this issue. When people judge your motives, and listen, if you're going to lead, if you're going to make a difference in life, whether it's in the church, whether it's in Christianity, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your profession, people will question your motives. People will question and why you're doing that. And so Paul is saying, don't question people's motives because it's difficult enough sometimes to figure out your own motives. And Paul says, you know, it's really a waste of time that even though my motives, even though my conscience is clear, that doesn't mean I'm innocent because it's the Lord. It's not you who judge my motives. It's not even me who judges my motives. It's the Lord who judges my motives. And ultimately in a Romans, it says that only God has the right to judge because he's impartial, because he knows the heart. He knows the facts. He's fair. And there's only one way for us to escape that judgment. And it has come into the point in your life to where you give your life to Jesus Christ, to where you're covered by Him and you're in Christ and you're forgiven. And boy, if you have never done that, well, we pray this after, we pray this service that you would ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. And then maybe this morning you're a believer. And maybe God has spoken to you and through His Word. And you've realized you've been casting judgments on people. And you've had a judgmental attitude. Would you confess that before Him? Would you leave that here? To where it doesn't blind you of what going on, what's going on in your life. So many people in relationships spend way too much time trying to change their partner instead of learning to change themselves and let God deal with their partner.